0: Good morning, and welcome to the Airbus of America Fourth Quarter Results Conference Call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode, and the conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Grant Shaw, CEO. Please go ahead, sir.
1: Uh, Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Airbus Q4 and Full Year 2020 Results Conference Call. My name is Brandon Schock. I'm the chairman and CEO of Airbus. With me here today are Chris Bitsikakis, president and COO, Frankie Gentile, our CFO, Chris Miguel, executive VP and general counsel. In terms of an agenda, we'll take a few minutes to review some of the operational highlights for the quarter, and then brief, briefly review our financial results before opening the call to questions. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that today's remarks, including non-IFRS, measures, reconciliations between our IFRS and non-IFRS results can be found in our MD&A. Additionally, management's outlook for 21 and beyond, anticipated financial and operating results, our plans and objectives, and our answers to your questions will contain forward-looking information within the meaning of applicable securities laws. In particular, expectations around the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, our business acquisitions, Results of operations and financial condition and that of our customers and partners are uncertain and subject to change. The forward-looking information represents our expectations as of today and accordingly is subject to change. Such information is based on current assumptions that may not materialize and is subject to a number of important risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on this forward-looking information. A description of the risks that may affect future results is contained in Airbus's AIF and MDA, which is available on our corporate website and in our filings with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR at www.cedar.com. With that, I will turn the call over to Chris for the operational review. Chris. Thank you, Gren, and uh, good morning,
2: everyone. I'm uh, extremely excited to report a record quarter of profitability in Q4 2020, and a record year of revenue, profitability, and free cash flow. 2020 proved to be a transformational year for Airbus. Although we had already proven ourselves over the last two decades as a trusted supplier of personal protective equipment, or PPE, for defense and first responders globally, the creation of Airbus Defense Group, or ADG, through our merger with Critical Solutions International, or CSI, at the beginning of the year marked a step change in our scale and capabilities. ADG combined CSI's sales and marketing expertise and global leadership in counter-explosive route clearance products with Airbus's global leadership in the proprietary design, development, and manufacturing of chem bioprotective equipment, including gas masks, gloves, boots, and respirators. Simply put, the creation of the Airbus Defense Group Has provided us with a broader complementary platform of survivability products that our expert team can leverage to cross-sell to our existing and ever-evolving global customer base today we have the full value chain of a survivability platform and are a global leader in survivability for the assured mobility and chemical biological radiological nuclear and explosive or cbrne communities this platform is underpinned by our financial strength a seamless global supply chain and multiple domestic production facilities, factors that have proved crucial during the ongoing pandemic and expected to remain so in the future. The foundation and history of Airbus is built upon providing our customers with products that outperform in the most challenging environments. And despite the extensive challenges we encountered in 2020 as we navigated the global pandemic, our employees were nothing less than extraordinary as they delivered on our commitments to our customers. Most notably, Having already been a trusted supplier to the U.S. military for decades, in 2020, we were called upon to deliver our powered air purifying respirators in record numbers to the U.S. government agency, FEMA. This was a monumental task that we took on to help combat the pandemic, and we completed the production and delivery of 100,000 PAPRs and 3 million related filters in only 100 days. By the end of this contract in Q3, we were manufacturing approximately 10,000 PAPRs and 100,000 filters per week across three of our U.S. facilities. I share these numbers with you so you can fully appreciate why I used the term extraordinary when referring to our employees that accomplished this near impossible task and showed us and our customers that we can be relied on in the most difficult of circumstances. Our ability to deliver on time and on budget and the sheer scale of our domestic production capacity enabled us to receive a second major contract for PAPRs, filters, and related peripherals in Q3 from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, to build up the strategic national stockpile. As we have noted previously, we expect a complete delivery on this contract next month. While we have provided our products to the healthcare sector in the past, the completion of these contracts, which are critical to national healthcare, has widened the aperture of opportunity for ADG to include the healthcare sector on a much larger scale. This has contributed to the ongoing customer sector diversification of our business, which has been a key strategy of ours to mitigate the impact of any economic or industry-specific cycles. Additionally, we have also begun direct-to-consumer online sales of relevant PPE in recent months and aim to see this gain traction in the coming years, as well as become an important channel for customers of our PAPERS to directly order replacement filters and peripherals when required. Our performance in 2020 has allowed us to emphatically position ourselves as a key partner to government agencies tasked with pandemic response and preparation for future emergencies, just as we already are a preferred trusted supplier of a wide variety of protective apparel and equipment to the US military and other Western militaries. In January of this year, the White House issued its national strategy for the COVID-19 response and pandemic preparedness with an immediate focus on procuring supplies that will be critical to control the spread of COVID-19 and the near-term goal of building a stable, secure and resilient supply chain with increased domestic manufacturing in critical sectors, including for PPE. And just this week, the US Senate passed the pandemic relief bill, the American Rescue Plan Act, which dedicates funds for the enhancement of COVID-19 emergency medical supplies. Including in this bill are billions of dollars for HHS to acquire additional medical supplies and equipment including, among other things, face masks, nitrile rubber gloves, and other personal protective equipment. As an important and trusted domestic supplier with global supply chain management experience, we are in discussions on multiple levels on ways we can support these critical efforts. As indicated by our release yesterday, we are competing for sales of over 750 million contract opportunities over the next 24 months, including new large government healthcare PPE contracts as well as domestic and international contracts for supply of CBRN wearables and potential orders for new Husky 2G vehicles and related vehicle sensors and equipment. We are confident that we will win a portion of these. However, please note that these contract opportunities do not yet include a potential competition in the coming years for the supply of gas masks to the U.S. military, which we are hopeful to compete for and win, as our industry-leading low-burden masks did in recent years in Canada and Australia. Such a contract would be worth upwards of a billion dollars of sales over an extended time frame. While competing for new contracts in 2021, we will continue to deliver on existing contracts, including for our low burden masks, PPE, and supply of Husky support equipment. Additionally, as we have outlined in the past, we anticipate potential scale out of the revolutionary blast gauge system of lightweight wearable blast overpressure sensors to the U.S. military in 2022 and beyond. On Monday, March 8, ADG announced that it has agreed to acquire 100% ownership of Black Box Biometrics, or B3, the developer of BlastGage, for up to $27 million, a deal which is anticipated to close in the second quarter of 2021. We currently hold a minority ownership interest in B3 and exclusive sale rights of the BlastGage system to the U.S. military. This acquisition will enable us to protect B3's technology from competing interests, improve our margin profile, and cross-sell B3's products to other militaries. Additionally, B3's technology and products also have applications to healthcare markets as its sensor systems monitor, record and analyze blasts, and impact events to protect not only warfighters but also first responders and athletes from traumatic brain injuries. While ADG is anticipated to continue to be our primary driver of profits, we're also expecting improvements in our rubber solutions and engineered product segments, which experienced declines in 2020, driven by the impact of COVID on the overall economy. Despite the impact of COVID on our customer base, we continue to execute on our growth and improvement strategies in these two segments. We are starting to see the benefits of the sizeable investments we made in our rubber solution segment in 2019. Our volumes are continuing to grow as we work to fill capacity in Scotland Neck, North Carolina, and build upon our specialty compound business. Much of our growth trajectory has been fueled by our new technical team as they leverage our new R&D Centre to continue to develop new proprietary compounds for our customers as part of our ongoing focus on innovation. In engineered products, we saw the benefit of a rebound in the auto sector in the back portion of 2020 and as we have continued to expand into non-automotive sectors. In the near term, we are focused on returning to operating profitability through rationalisation of unprofitable business and our efforts to drive continuous efficiencies, including our investments and cost-saving initiatives. We put our new robotic work cell into operation in Q3 2020, and we have ordered another one, which is anticipated for installation in 2021. Over the longer term, we are targeting higher margin growth by leveraging our investments in automation and developing highly engineered and therefore higher margin solutions for areas where they are required, including renewable energy, marine rail, construction equipment, and appliances. Our record results in 2020 have put us in a strong financial position entering 2021 and have given us the ability to be aggressive with opportunities that present themselves. As evidenced through our acquisition of B3, we will seek M&A opportunities in ADG to broaden our survivability platform or take further control of our value chain. In Rubber Solutions, we are aggressively looking at inorganic opportunities to expand into other regional markets in North America while examining operational and purchasing synergies It could fuel faster growth and profitability. However, as the second largest compounder in North America, with a long track record of growing faster than the overall industry, we remain prudent as it relates to transaction valuations as we continue to capture market share through organic initiatives and will stay focused on these efforts. At Airbus Engineered Products, we are also analyzing opportunities that would allow us to accelerate our goals to diversify AEP's segments to include more non-automotive customers. As it relates to our outlook, our growth is not dependent on M&A. The potential for new contracts gives us confidence of continued organic growth, though that is obviously dependent on continued normalization of the economy and the impact of COVID-19 on defense, automotive, industrial, and other end market budgets. Our goal has always been to cultivate strong internal processes that lead to organic growth in excess of market growth, while assessing both tuck-in and transformational acquisitions as we look to leverage our strong balance sheet to accelerate our strategic growth targets.
3: As I said earlier,
2: the outlook remains healthy over the medium term, with industry estimates for approximately 4% top-line growth over the next five years. We have obviously outperformed the industry over the past number of years, and our aim remains to continue expanding our market share while increasing our margins through a combination of product mix and operational efficiencies, complemented with potential M&A. With that, I will now pass the call over to Frank for the financial review. Frank? Thank you, Chris, and good morning, everyone.
4: As a reminder, please note all dollar amounts presented are in U.S. dollars except for dividends per share, which are in Canadian dollars. Consolidated results for Q4, as Chris mentioned, our record fourth quarter profitability reflected successful delivery against a number of defense and government contracts, including the HHS award. Starting from the top, External net sales increased 54% to $132 million on a consolidated basis, largely due to the execution on the HHS award and growth in other areas of ADG. Consolidated gross profit tripled to $40 million and doubled the margin to over 30% compared to Q4 2019, primarily driven by increased sales and production efficiency at ADG, while the other segments continued to build momentum and focus on cost containment, giving changing market dynamics. Adjusted EBITDA increased by 260% to $32.8 million, representing continued margin expansion for the quarter, now up to 25%. Profit and adjusted profit attributable to owners of the company was $15.9 million, or $0.59 cents per diluted share, a record for Airbus, benefiting from the company's acquisition of the remaining minority interest in ADG in late October. Turning to the individual segments, ADG sales in Q4 increased to over 76.7 million. The 169% increase versus Q4 of 19 was primarily the result of execution on the previously mentioned HHS contract supported by sales associated with other contracts including the addition of CSI into the results. Gross profit in Q4 was 36 million or 47% of sales up from just over 26% of sales in the same period in 2019 with the margin expansion due primarily to higher volumes associated with new business, notably the HHS contract. In rubber solutions, external sales in the rubber solution segment decreased by 3% in Q4 to $31.7 million. Gross profit decreased by approximately $500,000 to just under $4 million, with margins decreasing slightly to 12% versus Q4 of 19, principally due to sales mix, higher material costs, partially offset by government wage subsidies. In engineered products, external sales in the engineered product segment increased 12% to $33 million, driven by the rebound in the automotive sector and continued expansion in sales into adjacent sectors. Gross profit declined by just $1 million, primarily as a result of sales mix partially offset by operational cost containment, managing overhead. Other considerations, CapEx was $5 million in Q4. On a full-year basis, CapEx was approximately 15 million, or 3% of external sales, generally in line with previous years, except for 2019, when we invested significantly in capacity expansion. Just over half of CapEx in 2020 supported growth initiatives across all segments, notably in ADG and rubber solutions, with the remainder split between cost-savings investments, notably in engineered products, and replacements or upgrades of existing PPE. Free cash flow was approximately 51.5 million in q4 and 89.6 million for the full year 2020 with growth for the full year reflecting an increase in adjusted EBITDA a reduction in capex compared to 19 and an increase in cash conversion associated with larger contracts at adg partially offset by increased cash taxes reflecting higher profitability net of the 5 million in dividends approximately paid in 2020 Free cash flow enabled us to add approximately $87 million to our balance sheet, and we ended the year with a strong net cash position. Combined with increase in EBITDA, our net leverage at the end of 2020 was negative 0.09 times EBITDA, essentially a reduction of leverage by almost two turns, versus our leverage ratio of 1.85 times at the end of 2019. We also have approximately $60 million in available credit facilities at the end of the year. As it relates to timing of contract recognition, a reminder that we completed the FEMA contract in Q3, so that did not have any contribution in Q4. We completed delivery of the PAPRs portion of the contract to HHS in Q4, and are completing delivery of the peripherals under the HHS contract in Q1 and the early part of Q2 of 2021. Excluding any large new contracts at this time, We are generally comfortable with full-year consensus expectations for 2021. However, as Chris noted, we have a large amount of contracts that we are bidding on, and we are confident that we will win a portion of these in the near future. Operator, that concludes our prepared remarks this morning. We would now like to open the call to questions.
0: Thank you, sir. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad you will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press start and two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question is from David Ocampo with Cormark Securities. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Chris, I I really appreciate the color that you gave on on the $750 million of contracts that you're bidding on. But is there anything in there that we should be keeping an eye on over the next three to six months if it's something related to the low-burning gas mats or something like that? Any color on that would be great.
2: Uh, yeah. Right now, we're competing on uh, 750 million in uh, in new potential contracts. Um, just for a little bit of reference, we were at about 50% of that last year. So uh, the pipeline looks extremely strong for us at this time uh, this year. And those uh, those the contracts we're competing on are from for a variety of military product lines and healthcare. So it's kind of uh, evenly distributed amongst uh, a lot of our product lines. Uh, but we are seeing certainly the, the healthcare and our traditional military product lines getting the bulk of that uh, that attention right now.
5: Okay, and as it relates to you know that stockpiling contract that you guys are doing, do you have a sense on how much of the filters and and other related accessories have been used from the stockpile? Just trying to get a better idea on on what a potential replacement order could look like.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, 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 um, the papers that we shipped last year are still being distributed. They're in, in a variety of hospitals and also in stockpiles. Now, we did get a big uh, reorder from the VA that, uh, that we had announced. That gives us some you know, optimism that we will continue to see more uh, reordering. Uh, however, at this point, we have not seen a, a major reordering event. Uh, but we are in conversations with hospitals throughout North America. Uh, we have uh, launched an online campaign both through our website and through uh, other online media to be able to facilitate the, uh, the reordering. Uh, but as we see those numbers come in, David, we'll be able to give you a better idea of what we expect. But at this point, it's, I'd say it's still a little bit early because of the amount of accessories that we shipped with uh, the Pappers. Um, it's going to, we're going to have to wait until some of those all get consumed before we see what kind of the reordering uh, numbers we're looking at. So as that becomes more evident to us, we'll be we'll be able to be more transparent on that.
5: No, I appreciate that. Um, when I look at your rubber compounding division, you weren't able to pass off some of the higher uh, raw material costs. Is that still going to be a headwind as we enter into the Q1 and, and perhaps even the Q2? Yeah,
2: I'd say that, you know, when you look at, Uh, The slowdown in the economy uh, and the rebound, and if you just look at oil alone as an example, right, um, we're seeing some very aggressive dynamics uh, in the market right now. We're seeing raw material increasing much faster than we're used to seeing in the past as the global economy uh, rebounds. We are seeing major freight challenges around the world uh, because as the Chinese economy has really uh, rebounded faster than the rest of the world, there's a significant uh, uh, problem with uh, supply of shipping containers that are returning empty, let's say, for from uh, from Europe and, uh, and North America back to Asia. And so we are seeing freight delays. We are seeing uh, freight costs increase significantly. We're seeing oil uh, creep up quickly. And uh, the ice storm that we saw in Texas has really had a, a major effect on uh, some of the refineries and other uh, chemical producers uh, in that region, uh, so we are seeing a very uh, strong headwind on uh, on raw material increases. We saw, we saw it in December, we saw it in January and February, and uh, as you know, David, we've been doing quarterly, uh, we're able to pass on a lot of these, uh, um, all of them actually, all of our contracts allow for us to pass on raw material escalations to our customers as a flow through both on the way up and on the way down. Uh, but the uh, the trajectory of these increases has forced us to communicate with our customers that we're going to have to go to a monthly pricing model versus quarterly so that we are not, uh, you know, affected by uh, increases inside within the quarter. And so we did see some headwinds in, in December and uh, into early Q1, but uh, we are addressing that by going to monthly pricing so that we can Better handle those headwinds uh, and prevent them from having a major financial impact on us.
5: Yeah. and then and then for Frank, just a maintenance question. can you give the uh, the cues by segment?
4: Yeah, thanks uh, for that David. Uh, so the queues again for the full year were uh, eight point uh, nine million, and uh, that reflected uh, basically two point uh, four point six million. In Q2, 1.9 million in Q3, and 2.3 million uh, in Q4. And for Qs 2 and 3, it was roughly 50% for rubber, 50% for ADG. Um, And as it related to um, the Q4, it was roughly 60% defense and 40% rubber. And this is in U.S. dollars as reflected in our note uh, 17 in the financial statements.
5: That's perfect. Thank you.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press Star than 1 on your telephone. Our next question is from Yuri Link with Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead.
6: Hey, Good morning, everyone. Um, Chris, just, just on the Outlook, um, so you're, you're calling for uh, organic growth in, in the defense business, uh, I guess based on the sales pipeline. Um, but in the slide deck, you also note that um, you don't expect any, any paper awards in the first half of the year, and, and you noted some delays on the defense side. Um, so can you just give us the, your anticipated uh, cadence of, of when, these, when these contracts might come in? Um, any additional color on the geography and, and market as well would be, uh, would be helpful.
2: Sure. Um, I, I think, I think I know for sure that the fact that this uh, stimulus bill uh, was finally signed is we're, gonna, we're now going to see um, some sort of ramp up, uh, especially because uh, they assigned uh, a 10, million, $10 billion dollars uh, to HHS to be able to uh, not only continue to to improve the stockpile but also on certain products that are in and are in great necessity um to be able to distribute them uh quicker so we are encouraged by uh that stimulus bill that's been uh, that's been assigned now uh and we expect to see that accelerate going forward uh, initially when we talked about uh the second half of the year for for PAPRs specifically we were just making the assumption that with a new administration coming on board it would require some time to get you know all the budgets in place uh and then once all the budgets are in place it takes a period of time in terms of government contracting to be able to look at um, getting some awards out. So that's why we had been estimated, estimating the, the second half of the year. Uh, but certainly PAPRs are not the only product line that we are in conversations with uh, with various government agencies. There's a, there's a significant need on, on, on other PPE products and we are able to step in and facilitate uh, other products as well. And, and so, um, as we're looking at that, uh, at that pipeline, uh, we, we do expect to get a percentage of those awards. Now, uh, pipelines are always tricky, right? Um, you don't have it until you have it, uh, but the fact that the pipeline is so much stronger now than it was a year ago at this time uh, is encouraging to us because clearly we won't get 0%, we won't get 100%, although both are, are possible, it's more probable that there is a percentage of that pipeline that gets awarded, and it'll probably, uh, you know, stretch out between, uh, let's say, uh, the, the back half of this year and into uh, and into next year as we as we uh, deliver on those uh, on those awards. So um, we're pretty encouraged by that, uh, and we're especially encouraged by the passing of that stimulus bill that will uh, allow the budgets that are required for the government agencies to start to interact with us in a more uh, formidable way so that we can plan out uh, their stockpiling as well as their urgent need uh, requirements over the next uh, eight to twenty-four months.
6: Okay. So, so you feel that uh, whatever large awards you can you can bring in in the back half of the year will will start up in time to uh, drive. Equal to or greater than uh, what you achieved last year. Am I thinking about
2: that Yeah. Again, that's a that's a difficult uh, question without a, a crystal ball. But yeah, certainly we, the the size of some of the awards that we are talking about uh, that are in that pipeline that we're referring to um, could certainly have the potential to uh, to give us a very strong year this year, um, and and some of the awards. Uh, we'll be leaning more towards the back half of of this year, Um, but also some of them may kick in as early as Q2. So as we get more clarity on uh, where we're at with this, uh, and of course uh, when there there is a significant award, we will be announcing it so you'll be able to uh, use that information to, to forecast the year better. At this point, we don't have any signed contracts. But we have a pipeline uh, that is uh, that has given us uh, a fair bit of optimism for what we'll be able to accomplish this year.
6: Okay. Um, my, my second and last question, just switch to the rubber solution side. Um, one of your competitors obviously has a has a plant down. Um, just wondering if you're seeing any short or long term. Uh, Increase in business as, as customers look to to fill those orders that that I guess are are not being able or are not filled at at that, at that facility at, at present.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, first and foremost, we're we're thankful that uh, yeah in in our competitor's plant that uh, that had that major fire uh, that basically destroyed their their production capacity. Uh, we're very thankful that uh, that nobody got killed and, and the and the uh, the one person that got injured is is uh, recovering. So we're happy for that. Um, having said that, uh, almost from the well, almost while the fire was still burning, uh, our phone was ringing uh, in terms of what we can do to step in to help on supply. So uh, we very quickly engaged with uh, with both existing customers uh, and uh, new customers, and uh, you know, thanks to our uh, the investment that we made in our state-of-the-art research and development facility that we have also, uh, over the past year, staffed with uh, four new PhD chemists and and a a really aggressive approach to uh, compound development. Uh, We've been able to assign teams of people to work with customers to get uh, new formulas uh, created, developed, and approved, so that not only can we step in on an emergency basis, but we can retain a high percentage of that business through our speed uh, to market, uh, our quality and our delivery, and and so I suspect that it, uh, it looks to me that uh, that capacity will not come back online. And so the our competitor that did have the fire has been able to move some of that product to some of its other plants. But but clearly we are also benefiting from that. And our job right now is to make sure that that benefit is is uh, is is permanent and not just temporary.
6: Okay. Thanks. Congratulations on a, on a very strong quarter. I'll turn it over. Thank you.
0: Our next question is from Team James with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
7: Uh, thanks. Thank you very much. Good morning. Um, Chris, just you can kind of provide a bit of a, an overall update on, on the utilization of the new, uh, the, the 20 to 50 million pounds of incremental new mixing capacity that have been uh, been, been brought on in, uh, in Kitchener and in Scotland Neck.
2: Certainly, um, so the incremental capacity we brought on, uh, we, we added one mixing line in, uh, in Scotland Neck, North Carolina, which is a black uh, compounding line. Uh, we added a new dedicated color mixing line in, uh, in Kitchener, Ontario, and we added a smaller specialty compounding line uh, in, in Kitchener as well. Uh, right now, uh, with the rebound in the economy, and the um, the uh, fire that our competitor had our our scotland neck plant is running uh, over 80 percent capacity which would include the new line as well now of course our capacity in all of our mixing plants has been somehow uh, adjusted a little bit because of covid19 we're taking breaks in between shifts we're cleaning all the equipment uh and we're doing a lot of you know uh things that Uh, are preventing us from, uh, you know, having the exact same capacity number we used to have. uh, And we believe that those will will go away as COVID goes away. uh, And some of those precautions can be loosened a little bit. Uh, But having said that, Scotland Neck now is now extremely busy. um, Again, because of uh, the rebound and also because of us stepping in for uh, the relief to other customers from that fire. Uh, Our job now is to make sure that that's sustainable going forward but certainly I see us exiting this pandemic with the capacity in North Carolina significantly higher uh, in terms of output and the open capacity reducing quite a bit. Uh, we are now booking ahead quite a bit further than we, than we have been before, so that's a, a good sign for us there. In terms of the color mixing line, we're currently running it at about 50% capacity, uh, but we are also bidding on new color business that would fill that line uh in in the longer term and of course that requires a lot of development we have uh, a lot of samples out so we're very optimistic that we'll be filling that color line uh in the in the future uh the specialty compounding line uh it was the last line to go in uh and all, and we are currently using it now because it's a small line we're using it as a prototype line for any new development that we're doing and then we and we're also bringing in uh new high-end polymer type work that is just starting to kick in now. So I'd say that line is probably at 33% capacity. So lots of opportunity for growth on that on that line for the specialty side. Um, and as I mentioned, color and black, uh, all of our all of our black lines are quite busy right now.
7: Okay, that's great. Thank you. Um, my next question, just thinking about the um, the 750 million in, in opportunities that you cite, you mentioned. Um, I, I think that maybe at kind of half that that value at the same time last year. Um if we think back to the same time last year and you and let's call it 375 million, um, did that include like at this time last year were the um the large paper orders with HHS and FEMA, were they contemplated in that or would they have been incremental to kind of the the outlook at this time last year?
2: yeah they would have been incremental yeah if you if you recall early march really the pandemic was just starting to kind of rear its ugly head right so it was it was later in the spring where we started uh seeing that significant increase in uh in healthcare potential um Uh, actually
1: chris i think i think the fema order was in that and not the hhs one I stand corrected. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Gren. Okay. Um, that's,
7: those are all the questions I had. Thank you very much.
0: There are no further questions registered at this time. I would like to turn the conference back over to Chris Pizzakakis for any closing remarks.
2: Thank you, thank you Operator, uh, and thank you again to everyone for attending uh, this morning's call. We are proud of how we have performed this year, and I want to thank our employees across the organization for this. And we are excited about the future of our company going forward. Uh, And until then, we hope you're all keeping safe and well. Uh, Goodbye and have a great day.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating